Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. everybody. I'm glad you joined us for another episode of Stewardship Leader. In this episode, I'm sharing a discussion I had recently with Lauren France on the topic of idolatry and materialism. I think you'll enjoy listening in on this conversation, and I hope it will provide you with some useful insights. So let's get right to it. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another discussion about the principles that teach us how to manage everything that God's entrusted to us. This is about stewarding our lives, uh, and I'm with my friend, Lauren Friends from Secure Give. Hey, Lauren, say hi to everybody. Hey, everyone. Well, uh, what we want to talk about today is a topic that I think is it's so prevalent throughout Scripture, and it's one that's literally something we deal with every day, and that's idolatry and materialism. Uh, especially if you live in a Western world like we do, this is just a topic that we constantly wrestle with. And I think it's important, especially in the season that we're in, to focus on how is idolatry? How is materialism impacting us? Is it maybe showing us some things about our life that we need to kind of come back to center? We may not be off track necessarily, but it's always good to refocus. It's always good to come back to center and say, Lord, where am I with this? Is there anything that I need to do different? Um, So I love the chance that we have to talk about this today, and I hope it'll benefit you as well. Let's get started with just first, just let's identify what is idolatry? What's materialism? So that we have a a true biblical reference of where we're starting from. Lauren, why don't you kick us off with one of those? Yeah, so I went uh, about two years ago on a journey of understanding idolatry mm-hmm. a bit deeper for myself personally, because I realized that as I was reading the Bible and diving into the scriptures, like time and time again, looking at our ancestors, what the pattern was when they were giving in and giving way to worshiping and bowing down to idols. And what's interesting is when we think about idolatry today, We don't necessarily think about bowing down to a wood or stone or golden calf, right? Some metal figurine. But the reality is that there are idols, visible and invisible, everywhere. Mm -hmm. And God convicted me personally that I needed a bigger, broader understanding of idolatry. So I know that when we idolize something, we are giving it an extreme admiration, devotion. We, We love it, right? An all out kind of worship way. Uh, And so my mind, I thought idols were always like when I would ascribe worth to something above Jesus Mm -hmm. and or God, right? And while that's true, something that the Lord revealed to me was that idolatry is actually when you ascribe worth or value to something uh, greater than it is actually worth. Mm. And so when we look at it that way, when idolatry isn't just what I'm putting above God or adoring or loving above him or above Jesus, it's actually you're giving that thing more worth than it's just worth period Mm. that broadens what idols look like in our lives and so (laughs) it just really uh opened up for me as I was just assessing God as I look at what's in my hands that you've entrusted me and how I'm gripping it whether I'm holding it loosely or holding it tightly what is ultimately my heart doing in my my mind what are the motives am I pure impure and it just made me realize there's a whole lot more in 
in my hands that can become an idol if I'm not careful. It's so true. I mean, there are ways that we can see idolatry in scripture that's very blatant. And we think, gosh, why would people do such a thing? I mean, they saw the real God. He was in a tower of cloud and fire and they're like worshiping a calf. Like what is going on here? Right. But I think, you know, every time I have those thoughts, when I think about the Old Testament and I look at the Jewish nation as they're going through and God is showing himself faithful through them and, and really helping us to understand who he is because he's chosen this group of people that are just messed up. And I, and I, wanted, I wanted to a degree say, what's wrong with you people? But then I have to turn back and say, I'm no different. I struggle with the yeah. same things. Um, I heard someone say this years ago that our heart is like an idol making factory. You know, it's just, it's just looking for the next thing to worship. And, you know, there's a downside to not living physically in the Garden of Eden. And that's because you don't see God day to day. You may feel him, you may hear his voice. Hopefully you have that intimate relationship with him. But because you're not physically present with him, there is a part of our nature, especially the fallen part, that gravitates to things that are either pleasure-based or just things that we want to fill avoid. Um, I was speaking to Blair last week about this God-shaped void hole that's inside of us that we constantly try to fill. And idolatry fits the bill. It kind of, like you said, anything that we ascribe more value than it's worth, and then we start going into it, um, brings that temporary comfort that we're seeking. And we have to go deeper than that and realize why idolatry is so bad for us. And we'll talk about that. But also, what do we do about it? So what ways do you see idolatry in today? I mean, yes, we don't bow to statues anymore, but how do you see it? Like, what are the major areas where, where you see idolatry kind of prevalent, especially in our society? I think the way that we see idolatry play out in our own lives and just like in our culture, um, it's very similar to what the, the Bible teaches us and tells us for sure. Um, our relationship with money uh, right. and how we uh, manage it and then how we spend it. I think, uh, I mean, God even says in his word uh, that the, the idols of the nations are silver and gold made by human hands. And so we just know that like, that is real. I think another where, place that we see idolatry play out is in our relationships. And so whether that's with a spouse, your family, your kid, a peer, um, whatever that may look like, it's when we make people into our, a God, um, when we desire their approval and acceptance um, over God's acceptance and God's will and wanting to obey and honor God. And so relationships, it's a big uh, place we see idolatry play out, possessions also. So when we make idols of comforts and conveniences, and let's be mm -hmm. honest, like we have a lot of them. Uh, they're, they're surrounding us everywhere in our culture. Uh, I think about like movies and TV and just social media. I think about um, food um, for women. I know one that is huge is beauty, just like beauty products, beauty, anything kind of related to beauty and image. So there's a lot, there's a lot uh, that could turn into an idol. Um, but I, you know, I definitely think it, that's where idolatry and materialism kind of go so closely together is because when we, um, consider material possessions and these physical creature comforts and conveniences that we have such quick access to um, when we consider them more important than our spiritual values or like our relationship with God um, th that's when things begin to turn upside down so it, it really does we see a lot of negative effects and consequences 
of idols and of materialism. Um, and I mean, the Bible warns us just flat out. These are, these are dangerous and bad. You want to avoid them, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and that, and again, like the Bible identifies them. So it's things that are very self um, gratifying. Mm -hmm. I think in first John two, right. We we've talked about this. It just says like very bl blatantly don't love the world or anything in the world. Mm -hmm. um, the world's desires are going to pass away. Um, and, and so we have to know like, those things that are craving for self-gratification that prompt greed or us to want. We mm. want what we want when we want it. And I say, we're one click away from getting it in two days. That's yeah. Amazon Prime, right? Yeah. So we just, we have to be aware that we are surrounded by a lot of creature comforts and conveniences that can quickly turn into idols. And if we're not careful, they're gonna drive, we're gonna drive a lot of pleasure out of that and comfort out of that and then what's going to happen is we're going to give it a lot of attention and a lot of our devotion and where we drive that attention and devotion i find is where we spend our time and our money so our mm -hmm. hearts starts in the heart and then what happens when it's in our hands is we begin to grip it tight and when we're not holding it loosely and we're not checking our heart we grip it tight we say mine not, not yours, Lord, mine. And we, we stiff arm God in a way. And then yeah. we yeah. drive, everything starts driving toward those things that we're holding really tightly. And so our hearts are twisted. We get jacked up. And what happens when we do that? Well, we, we start spending our time in certain ways and spending our money in certain ways that develops an unhealthy habit that leads us toward more of that thing, more of that creature comfort. You know what, what it, brings to memory for me is when I think about the journey that the Israelites took as they were given the law and then of course Moses goes up to the to the mountain and you know spends too much time there they're not sure what's going to happen and the next thing you know they're literally making a calf to bow down to and I think how does that happen so quickly but right. what I realize is that the blessings that God gives us are good things right God's word says that he gives us good things to enjoy and I look at the things that we get to benefit from in our in our world today, all of the the comfort and and the I mean think about it we don't no matter where you live in the United States you don't have to deal with too much heat or too much cold you either have a heater in your car heater in your home you have an air conditioner yeah. in your car so we go from comfort to comfort very little discomfort and that can actually make us very soft toward the fact that discomfort is not a good thing and yet we know that even though these things are good. They were never meant to take God's place. So right. I think I, what I notice with most, Lauren, is when I personally suffer through a difficulty, and not, it may not be a difficulty, it may just be an inconvenience. And that tends to show me, like, if you become comfortable, you expect this. Like, how did that happen? And now I may be frustrated or I may be disappointed because things didn't work out my way. And I think that's a good way to identify that, hey, maybe, just maybe, I have defined the world based on my terms, on yeah. my my needs, rather than what God has instituted, what God has given me, and to 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 love the benefits that God's given me, but not allow those things to become the primary reason why I live and how I live. And right. go back and say, God, I know you created me for a purpose, and even though I can enjoy these things for a season, they should never 
take over my life. They should never become the focus of my life. I think it's really important to understand. You reference 1 John 2, 15 and 17. I just want to read this real quick. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, everything, not part of it, not some of it, everything, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Amen. And it's so important for us to understand we are in a fallen flesh state, right? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are those things that drive us to embrace idolatry and to right. take materialism as a means of living a good life. Right. Um, and it's just, it, it's a sobering thing to think about that we could be living comfortably. We could be even going to church every week and doing all the right things, but yet we embrace the way of life that is very much around materialism and idolatry. And I think the Bible is very clear that God hates idolatry. Like he doesn't just like dislike it. He hates it. It's a prime competitor with him for lordship and, uh, Anytime we have it in our lives, it could, it could really, really do some damage. And just as a parent would watch over their children that might get into stuff that might damage them in the same way God looks at us and say, no, 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 those things, those things will drive you from me. Those things will bring eventual death. And I'm trying to prevent you from those. I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. And we're going to go right back to it in just a few seconds. But before we do, I want to share a quick resource with you. Here at CSN, we love to connect leaders to organizations who create and offer great resources that can help church leaders to better serve their members in the area of stewardship and generosity. One of those organizations is SecureGive. Their vision is to be the largest facilitator of generosity on the planet, and their giving platform is designed to do just that. From online giving, mobile giving, text to give, and kiosk giving, they can help your members give in ways that are secure and convenient. To learn more about how they can help your ministry, check them out at securegive.com. So can we dive into what is the lust of the flesh? What's the lust of the eyes? What's the pride of life look like for us today? Well, I'm not sure we have time to dive into all of those well, in full detail, but I would tackle the pride of life. Um, and I, I would be happy to talk and address that. I think what it's saying there is just when we again, it's that, that identity stance of I'm the owner, I'm not the manager. Right, right. Uh, how that plays out is like, again, if I bring that analogy of holding something, it's when we grip something really tightly that we were never meant to, to even like grab a hold of. It's mm -hmm. meant to be in our hands, but we are to hold it loosely because we are the manager, we are not the owner. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when we get to the spot where we're like, we have this assurance of our own, we think of it as our own resources and like this, and we have stability in the things that are in the world or these earthly possessions or earthly things. Mm -hmm. We don't even realize it, but what can happen very quickly if we're not careful and checking our heart and checking our grip, we become very self-reliant, self-sufficient. And what I love, and Jen, I don't know if you're familiar with Jen Wilkin, but she's written a few books on the communicable and incommunicable attributes of God. And she's very clear that when we look at the scriptures, self-sufficiency is complete. It's the antithesis of 
God as all sufficient. And that is, we are not all sufficient. And that is not a character trait or um, something that we get to have. It's not an attribute. And so when we are living from that place, that is coming from our sin and our fallen state. That is coming out of a, a pri- our pride. Pride's the root of all evil, right? <laughs> you talk yeah. about the garden. Um, we wanted to be like God. We wanted to know um, as God knew. And so I think about, you know, just how pride when pride takes root and pride takes hold, what we're doing is, and we talked about this earlier, it's this idea of just really stiff arming God and saying like, God, I've got this. Mm -hmm. I'm in the driver's seat. And so what happens is we, like I said, where our heart's devotion, affection, and adoration are will drive everything else. And so if the love of things, if the love of others crowd ends up crowding out our love for God becomes more than we give it more value than it's worth, what's going to happen is our hearts and our minds are going to follow that. And again, it's just going to keep breeding this like, I know best. And um, that's not how we practice reliance on God. And I think God will ruffle our feathers. Uh, God will either throw us into the fire or allow us to end up in the fire to be refined by that fire and to get really uncomfortable and um, to expose and to reveal these things so that we may be purified and sanctified and glorified in Christ so that we may come out more like him. And we see that with just when he's demolishing the idols in our lives, he's ultimately getting at and knocking at pride and destroying and demolishing pride. Yeah. So I think that's what pride of life there is all about. Yeah. I think for the lust of the flesh and lust of the eyes is pretty straightforward. I think we don't need to go into it too deeply. I think we've touched on some of that, which is the fact that anytime our devotion, our minds, our thoughts are drawn to focus on those things and to make those things the object of our desire and our wants, that's what the lust of the flesh, that's what the lust of the eye is all about, is we're taking our eyes off of what's important, what's eternal, and putting right. it on, on temporal things, things that will, according to scripture, all burn up and none of them will be around. And yet, relationships, I want to go to that for a moment. Relationships are really important. I mean, it's, it's, what, it's what God is all about. It's all about relationships. And yet, we can take even relationships. I think I see this probably more today than in any other time, is that uh, especially when it comes to our kids, we all want to do good by our kids. We want to give them a better life than we've had. We want to do all these things, but yet we can literally make our children idols because we do things mm. that aren't necessarily better for them, but it makes us feel better. Uh, I had this personal like time with God one time as my oldest daughter was growing up and she was getting to those teen years. She turned 16. She started being interested in boys and I freaked out. I just freaked out. I said, what am I going to do here? She's going to go off the deep end. You know, I mean, totally, totally lost it. And it was completely fear that somebody would come along and just completely mess up her life. And I got so, um, our relationship got so tense for a while because I really wanted to control. I literally was controlling mm. the relationship because I did not want it to go in the wrong direction. I wanted to right. protect her. So my intention was right, but my trust was not in God. It was in my ability to control it. So I remember we had this huge blowout fight and I was in the backyard and just saying, God, what do I do here? And he said to me so clearly, he says, your problem is you don't think she belongs to me. You think she belongs to you and that I don't have any ability to take care of her life outside of you. And I thought, oh, wow. (laughs) So it totally changed my perspective. I thought, regardless of how well or how poorly I do as a parent, God still has full control of this life. I'm just Amen. a steward. I mean, he reminded me I'm a steward of this life. 
And so it helped me to let go of the fear and realize it was just unrealistic. I, my wife and I had done a good job of raising my daughter up to that point. And she was a godly young woman. We knew that she wouldn't make any stupid mistakes. And I, but in the moment, I was just so fearful. But that was a form of idolatry because I wasn't trusting God that he was self-sufficient in taking care of this life. I was relying on my own ability. Uh, and I think when it comes to relationship, we could do that with any relationship. It could be a work relationship. It could be a, a significant other. It could be totally anyone. Um, so it, it's really important that we search our hearts and realize when there's trouble and then when there's uh, what I call drama in our life, there's always an underlying cause. And it's good to do a little bit of heart surgery and figure out what's going on. So before we end this, Lauren, let's talk about how do we practically overcome idolatry? Let's leave our listeners with some information that they can take and say, okay, I can approach this from this perspective and maybe there's some things that I can do to resist this idolatry, this materialism that's constantly trying to push into my life and take over. Well, oh, I was going to talk right away about practical. And then in this moment, honestly, there there's just an immediate, like, before you can do anything practically, you need to get right back with God and your relationship with God. And so I would just say, get back to the simple truth and the simple command that we see in Deuteronomy 6, 5, which is love the Lord, your God with all your heart, mm-hmm. with all your soul and with yep. all your might. And so that is like all encompassing. And so we have to, we have to start there. We have to love God. I mean, if we love God with everything we have and all we are, um, that's a, that's a place we start. That's the place we begin to practically overcome idolatry and materialism. The second, which is a bit more practical, uh, would be just, and I've done this. So I'm sharing a personal thing that I've done is to create like an inventory uh, and just assess and reflect. So just listing what has God entrusted me, um, but thinking through like God revealed to me what are potential idols. And that's items you have, people that are in your life, possessions, possessions. and, and just saying like, God, what am I giving more value? Um, not just more value than you, but what am I giving more value than it's worth? And just make that list, yeah. see it. I think there's something really powerful about writing it out, acknowledging it and physically seeing it in front of you. Um, because this can get swirly. I think, you know, we've, we've eliminated words like idolatry, sadly, from our vocabulary and in, in Christian culture. And I, I think we, there's a, a call to return and a call to, to, to call it as it is. And, um, but in a way, like we've said, there's things that are really blatantly visible, but there are things that are also very like invisible. And that could be, um, especially when it comes to people like people pleasing, Mm. well, that's not like a visible, tangible item in my hands. And so, but that's a posture that can lead to major idolatry. And so we have to, we have to be able to to see it and physically write these things out, name it, right? Like all that becomes visible becomes light. So we have to expose it for what it is, bring it out. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can be deceiving because pride blinds us. And so, you know, bring it to the Lord, ask, ask God to reveal those things. And then I would say even maybe ask your, if you live with someone, like your family member or spouse, maybe asking them. Uh, And and being open to receiving that feedback, though it be hard, it, because these things can blind us and be blind spots, you know, like my spouse sees things in me that I don't see in myself. I'm incapable of seeing, but he sees so clearly. And so I, but I have to come with a gentle, meek spirit and heart and say, okay, like 
I want to be teachable. Um, reveal to me, you know, some of the things that you see that could be keeping me from staying on course and, and really growing in my relationship with God. Um, and so that's, that would be uh, one practical. The second, I would just say, start every day prayerfully examining your heart and your hands. And so like, what's in my hands and am I, is my heart and my mind pure toward it? And I think if we can know if something's pure or impure, then it's going to help us with that grip that we were talking about. Am I going to keep it loose or am I grabbing it too tightly? And that's like, a, sometimes that's like, I have to do that every day at the beginning of the day. And Leo, to be very honest, sometimes that's a like, depending on how strong it is in my heart, um, I might have to keep asking the Lord throughout the day. Like God, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is super weak here. And I need you. And I need you to like invade this, this thing and this stronghold and overcome it daily and hourly sometimes throughout especially when you're trying to break these strongholds or areas where idolatry is really taken a hold mm. and then resist it like resist it and um once you've identified it once you've begun to prayerfully examine once you've asked for feedback once you've asked the lord to you know reveal those things to you or someone that loves you dearly and you give them the space and then it, and then at that point it's really going to war and going to war with our idols because this isn't this isn't shame-based i think what you were saying it removes fear mm -hmm. so if it's removing fear the other thing that's really important to remember is that it's ultimately leading us to freedom yes like there's such beauty in this conversation and there's such beauty in recognizing those things and then just identifying it speaking it out visualizing it writing it and then giving it back to god and going god you're my first love. You're the one I want to love with all my heart, all my soul, all my might. And there's freedom. There's just so much freedom that can come. So I think yeah. we've got to get our game faces on too, though, and put our spiritual armor on because it's, it's a war. Yeah. And so I would just say, like, be ready to war and, and know the one that's fighting on your behalf too. That's, that's great. Uh, I love the way you laid that out. And also it leads to the fact that in reality, we are in a war and the opposite of what materialism idolatry is, is comfort, ease, pleasure. It's all the things that are not war. Um, but we have to remind ourselves that the scripture literally says, do not love the world. Well, if all we want is comfort and things in the world, and again, not saying those things are bad, but when those things become the focus of our life, rather than right. the very purpose and the gifting that God's given us to use and to input into the world and to help others and to share the gospel, make the kingdom of God known to people. Uh, if we're not doing that, then it just should wake us up to the fact that, hey, we're too comfortable. Um, and, I, and I think that's hard for us. That's why it's so important that we go after it. It's definitely a, a war. Yeah. And, and I'm reminded of the scripture says that Paul said that if you know what you're supposed to do, but don't do it, that's regarded as sin. Right. So I think that should convict us that, hey, if I'm too comfortable, if I'm watching too much TV, if I'm entertaining too much, if I'm doing the things that aren't really making a difference, making um, life better for people or spreading the word of God, I may be not as productive as I need to be. And it's important to realize that God has called us here for a purpose. So this, right. this was really great. I think that's great practical in, uh, uh, wisdom and advice. And I hope you guys have benefited from it. Lauren, thank you for taking time to, to discuss this with me. And thank you for all of you for taking a few minutes to sit with us and listen to this discussion. I hope it's been a benefit to you. I hope that as you are looking in your own life and making an inventory, that you won't be condemned. We don't want you to, to take condemnation. Amen. It's not from the Lord. We want you to be convicted 
for the purpose of coming back into a deep relationship, intimate relationship with God, and to truly experience everything that God has for you. Um, this world is a wonderful place, uh, but there are a lot of things that want to have our allegiance you know, in them rather than in God. And we know that leads to difficult and terrible things. So let's put God first in our lives and let idolatry and materialism be far from us. But let us use the things that God has given us to bless the world and bless those around us. Well, no doubt this topic is not an easy one to wrestle with, but one that we have to continue to contend with. So I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this discussion. I hope it's challenged you. I hope it's given you some insight and maybe even some ways that you can combat idolatry in your own life. If you want to know more about CSN and how we can help your church develop and grow a healthy stewardship ministry, go to our website, christianstewardshipnetwork.com, where you will find resources, you can sign up for one of our events and connect with top stewardship leaders in the country. We are eager to meet you and help you in any way we can. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, remember, God has called you to be a faithful steward. So be that faithful steward, but go one step further. Teach others to do the same.